So somebody asked me a uh, couple months ago, perhaps, Randy, how do you do your sermons? Well, a couple people have been asking me, and it's very simple, is that I don't do my sermons. What happens is I read and I study, and all of a sudden a flood of thoughts will come to me, whether I'm driving or sitting at home, and I go out and I just type for the hour or three hours, depending on how long it is, and there is the sermon. So how I got this sermon this evening was the first time I read Zephaniah. I remember it terrified me, especially the great day of the Lord. And so I would just like to read it again to you all. I'll be using the NIV version. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. Listen, the cry on the day of the Lord will be bitter, the shouting of the warrior there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and of gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and of battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. I will bring distress on the people and they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like filth. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, the whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. Gather together, gather together, O shameful nation, before the appointed time arrives and the day sweeps on like chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you. Seek the Lord all you humble of the land, you who do what he commands. Seek his righteousness, seek humility, and perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord. And after I finished reading that, I started to question the Lord. Lord, how am I to be spared from your wrath, from what I've just read? And all of a sudden, Deuteronomy 6.5 popped into my head. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. So this evening I want to let you know that the gates of paradise have been opened to you today. And Jesus Christ comes to you. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he has one simple instruction. Repent and believe. The simplicity our Lord requires is faith and faith alone. You cannot trust in your performance, how much you read, how much you know, how much you pray. Yes, those are all good things. And Christianity does have its moral and its ethics. But more than that, the Christian faith is about Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given unto you. How often can we go weeks without remembering these very simple instructions? How different would we be if we took that one section of Scripture, I am to love the Lord my God. I'm just going to pray as we get into the sermon. I'm going to use a prayer from the Ephesians. 
that ties in very well with my point that I'm trying to prove this evening. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all his saints, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever. Amen. So we are to have one great passion, one great love, and we are, be, and we are to be consumed by this. Come that day, are you ready to stand naked and alone before a consuming fire? In Proverbs it says, Many men claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? What is our Lord saying? We claim to have unfailing love, a love that will never waste away or perish, a love that will never become tired. We claim to love him. We claim to be his disciples, but we neglect the basic necessities of the Christian faith, to be faithful to him, to fight for him. Some of the most difficult parts of the Christian faith is not preaching. Yes, it has its difficulties, but more than that, what if we were just to be faithful in our prayer time, to diligently every morning read the Word, to be in the Word constantly? I am to have one great passion, one great desire, to serve Him and bring forth the will of God to advance a kingdom, to take everything in creation and subdue it. In, Gener in Genesis it says to subdue it to the will of of God. That's the uh, commandment that Adam was given. You take your stand beside Jesus Christ and you watch the devil come after you, buffeting you from the inside and out. What people don't tell you about the Christian faith is there will be times you will be an island. There will be times friends will talk behind you. There will be times you will get sick or an injury. And you're up till 1.30 in the morning when men with better sense are tucked away in their beds. But you're up crying out to God, searching out for answers. And the only thing that will keep you going is in Christ alone, in Christ alone, in Christ alone. I am to have one great love, to love the Lord my God. Luke 14, 26 to 33. He says, whoever does not hate his brother hate his mother, hate his father more than me, they cannot be my disciple. If you do not take up your cross, and in verse 33 it says, if you do not give up everything that you have, you cannot be my disciple. What is he saying? He's not backing down. Our Lord is saying you must transfer ownership of all that you are and all that you have to all that he is. It is no longer your time, it is now his time. It is no longer your future, it is now his future. It is no longer your feet, it is now his feet. It is no longer your body, it is now his body. It is no longer your terms of surrender, 
but his terms of surrender. And he says, if salt loses its saltiness, then it is no good for the soil or the manure pile. You are to love the Lord your God. I listened to quite a few preachers. The one preacher in his sermon wrote, in order to preach, you must have the grace of God in your life. Now he says, in order to tie your shoes, you must have the grace of God in your life. Something I try to remind myself of daily that I found very challenging is when was the last time you drank a glass of water? When was the last time you relished a glass of water to the glory of God? When was the last time you took a breath to the glory of God? Don't you see that your life comes from God and is to return to Him in praise? He puts the breath in your lungs. One great love, one great passion to love the Lord my God. The more you renew your minds in prayer and reading, the more you know about God and the more and deeper your love will be in and for Him. Billy Graham once said, the true wealth of your life are in your thoughts. The radio, the TV, the literature are all competing for your thoughts. You see, cultivate the mind of Christ and he will change the innermost chambers of your heart. I'm sure you've met people in this world who have been consumed by passions. Look at yourself. What takes most of your thought time? Do you think of ways to constantly please your Savior? And in Hebrews 11.16 it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. What are your goals? Will they be to glorify your Savior? Who do you look up to? I don't want to condemn people who look up to others. There's godly men in this life I look up to. And don't judge my theology for this. But when I see men like Billy Graham... Paul Washer, J.C. Ryle, I want to know God like they do, and it makes me strive and zealous. Every single time I either email them or ask them, how can I mature and grow in the faith, they always point to the Word. And I said, well, why? Why the Word? He's like, well, because you need to be in the Word. So they just keep telling me to be in the Word, and it is beautiful, and it is amazing. And you know what? God will use that. He will bring you down the path He wants you to go. My point is, who do you look up to? Can you see eternity in their eyes? Do they always point to Christ? Do they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength? I am to have one great love, one great passion, to love the Lord my God. I also urge you, look at the athletes, filled with so much zeal and passion. I think some of them were starting since they were three and four years old. They have gone without sleep. They have gone without social lives. They have gone without dating. They have gone without marriage. They have gone without absolutely everything but to run down a 100-meter track and get a medal. And I know this for a fact because we have horses and these girls do anything to win in these arenas. They have gone without sleep. They have gone without going to certain events. They have gone, they have sacrificed in order to run down or run around that arena 
and win a medal. Then there is us. Our prize is not a medal that will last only a day. We were built for something eternal, to love the Lord our God, and we must eat and sleep this passion. How different would we be if we took this verse seriously? What does the world need from you? What does your children need? What does your wife need? What does God need from you? He needs a better Randy David. He needs Christ-likeness to be changed in the innermost chambers of your heart. And how do I know I love the God I claim to know? Romans 12.1 Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, as this is your true and proper worship. Not only is Paul urging people, but look at what it says, in view of God's mercy. Did you know that the Bible has about 8,000 promises and God is going to keep them all to those who love him? Do you know God's mercies with proper knowledge of yourself, your sin, and the mercies of God, there is enough love there to offer yourself as a burnt sacrifice, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13. God's love is expressed to us through the person and work of Christ on the cross. Someone once said, I don't believe in things I don't see. So I asked, do you believe in love, history, the wind? You can't see the wind, but you felt it. You haven't seen history, but you know it's real. You know it's happened. Can you see love? Have you felt love? Have you pursued God and chased him down? You see, there's something our Lord delights when his servants pursue him, chase him down, and run after him with all they have. Wrestling with his servants, when you prove his words to him and prove you, he will. But that only works when you truly love the Lord your God. What does that look like? A total and complete surrender of your life to Christ. Making a stop to all your plans to this busy culture and transferring everything to Christ. Apart, apart from that, Apart from everything outside of the will of God, as we just read in Zephaniah, it will burn. A total and complete surrender <clears throat> of your life to Christ. Apart from one of my favorite songs goes, Jerk the pews and all the decorations too, until the congregations few and have revival. Tell your friends, this is where the party ends. Until you're broken for your sins, you can't be social. Seek the Lord and wait for what he has in store. And know that great is your reward, so just be hopeful. You can sing all you want to, but worship is more than a song. Take a break from all the plans that you have made and sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper. Beg him, please, to open up his mouth and speak and pray for real upon your knees until they blister. Shine the light on every corner of your life until the pride and lust and lies are in the open.
Then read the word and put to test things you've heard until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken. Let's pray. My Lord, I come before you this evening. And Father, we do not want to go into that final day not knowing where we stand. Father, we, you will start, you will finish a good work in those to whom you have started. And Father, I ask that we will surrender our lives to you. And Father, again, I thank you for the privilege to be able to come up here and say a couple words, and I know it was a shorter one this evening. But Father, this is a privilege, and it's something that has been on my heart for a long time that I've wanted to say. And yes, it was short, but I hope that the people here this evening will take away something from this. That we are to just love you, to remain faithful to you in everything we do, not trust our emotions, Father. I pray. And on that day when we see your face, I pray that many of us will be able to spend eternity with you. May we seek you and find you for now and for the rest of our lives.